wild courage exists to galvanize a generation of men. The tools and courage to fight for what matters most. And tell the stories that are born in the redemption of lives and souls. Hey guys, welcome back or to the Wild Courage podcast. Today we're coming at you from the barn in Emmett, and I'm sitting here with my one of my closest friends um, and my business partner and one of the founders of Wild Courage, Mike Evenson. Hey, bro. Hey, what's shaking, bud? Well, most of you might know him as Doc, is kind of his nickname. So. I'll probably refer to him as Doc from here on out because when people say Mike, I'm like, who? It's so it's so weird. I feel like two different people. Some actually more than that. You know the story with nicknames, right? Um, but I, I think Wild Courage in general. When guys call me Doc now, it's it feels different than 20 years ago when it started. Yeah. Well, now it's even morphed into Papa Doc. Yeah. Because you're <laughs> old. Because right. you're old now. So all these young men that <laughs> come right. to the Wild Courage Fires. <laughs> I'm a lot whiter now. Yeah, Papa Doc. That's right. It sounds like a should be a rap song or something. Right? That's awesome. <laughs> we'll get our boys, you get Leighton to write that up. Yeah. So we're, we've been just kind of talking since I texted you at 1030 last night. And I'm like, hey, I have an idea for a podcast. What if, since we're recording this on, what's today, Thursday, Sunday, this coming Sunday's Father's Day. Yeah. And I was just thinking, what if we had a conversation about dads? Because you and I both have, feels like recently anyway, Mm -hmm. lost our fathers. And I know we have tons of friends who've lost their dads. And I remember after my dad passed away, I just remember waking up the next day, like one, because it was kind of sudden that my dad died of a heart attack Mm -hmm. and at the young age of 66, um, thinking that just the world is going to look different for the rest of my life without my dad in it and wishing it was a a nightmare that wasn't true. And I just remember waking up that next morning thinking... My world will never be the same. This is now reality. Yeah. What does it look like? And it's been, I think, almost seven years since my dad passed away. And I've had some really ups and downs in that journey. And then you more recently lost your dad, what, two years Last ago? Last year. Last year. Yeah. Wow, it's only been a year. It's been a year. A little over April of last year. With a totally different story. Totally different. And so we thought we'd just jump on here on Father's Day and kind of unpack and be vulnerable, Wild Courage style, with the journeys that we've had with our dads while they were here. Yeah. And what it's been like since they've been gone and just kind of what we've learned in mourning them and learning about mourning and, um, yeah, just where we're we're at with it now and the healing that we've experienced in diving into that losing our dad, you know? Yeah, that's such a good, I think the timing's perfect, Jeremy, because we've talked about this for a little while. And for one reason or another, it just never came to fruition. 
And when you texted last night and said, and then said what you did about Father's Day, I was like, oh, no wonder it never worked out. Yeah. It was for such a time as this. It was for this moment. Yeah. And the season. And then the I think, too, the season that we're in individually on our own journey and together and the conversations that we've had about our dads and just about life in general and about the dads that we want to be and all those, the timing's perfect. Yeah, it's... Something happened. I was supposed to have somebody on today, and it didn't work out. So my wife was like, "You should have Doc on and talk about business and stuff." Because we had, when you were on the podcast, well, geez, a couple of years ago yeah. now, um, we talked about diving into our story, which we need to because our business with our it's company Region, which just turned ten years old in March, yeah. by the way, yeah, um, is is probably worth talking about just what we've learned relationally about doing business with, because we've done all the things that might be a two part. That yeah. might be a what to do and a what not to do. <laughs> Guess which one's going to be longer. The what not to do podcast. <laughs> be real short. Might be two hours and yeah. what we got right part. Uh, that's that's yeah. a solid eight minutes. That's going to be a short one. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that we're still here in 10 years, we've learned a lot. I always, I always love when we say, but we're still in the game. Yeah. Because that applies to business, that applies to life. Friendships. Relationships. Brotherhood. All of it. Yep. Well, I mean, yeah, we've, it's been such a crazy journey because we, we've done everything you're not supposed to do. Like, don't do business with friends. So we started a business together after being friends for over a decade. Yeah. And then we've hired so many family members and just friends done, and family. Hired and, so many friends, stuff you're not supposed and, to and do. And what's crazy is, Obviously, a lot of those didn't end well. The 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 business side of it, and then the friendships had hiccups along the way. But most of those people <clears throat> that were friends, at least tier one or two friends, are still friends. Maybe All not. Them. Maybe not in the same light. But it's it it didn't cost. It didn't cost us the any friendship. Friendships, and no. I think that has a lot to do with the personal journey. Of essentially what became wild courage, what this is. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we'll we'll do that. But yeah, Mary was like, you guys should you should have Doc on. And then I was thinking about man, just our journey with our dads, and especially recently with you and yeah. uncovering all the things you've learned. So we'll just kind of jump in from there and talk about our relationships growing up with our dads, and then that dynamic. And I through much counseling and help have been able to divide my dad and to a couple of different seasons, which was very healing for me. I'll just mm -hmm. jump in right there. Hold on just a sec. Let me give you this. I brought a gift for you just in case. <laughs> Some Kleenex. Some tissues. Yeah. I wonder who's going to cry. That's the, I wonder what the, <laughs> I wonder what the over under is going to be who cries first and the most. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for the. Nap oh, yeah. the tissues. I know one of us will need them yep. or both. But I think one of the first things I learned after my dad passed away was we're so protective of our parents that we, I couldn't compartmentalize the different journeys of my dad's life. Like he, he had different seasons as his life. And as kids, I think we just like to group our parents into one season of life. Like yeah. Just parents and just mom and dad. Yeah. And I, I think my dad got a lot of things wrong 
just like I am and just like all of us feel like, yeah. you know, we are. And I remember I was talking to uh, Stumball one time and he's like, why can't your dad be, have seasons like you do? And that really resonated wow. with me because I was able to then be like, my dad, when I was young, my mom and dad got divorced and uncharacteristically, I believe I went with my dad. Yeah. And my little sister went with my mom, which normally the mom gets the kids, right? Gets so bo Gets all, both of them. Yeah. So it's me and my dad. And I think I was like six or seven and we moved to Montana and it was just the two of us. And my dad was my hero and he kind of kept that status. And as he kind of changed and found what he wanted to do with his life, which was to own his own ranch someday, mm -hmm. I felt like... I didn't realize it because I had built in this protective system of my dad because I have so much compassion for him taking me. It would have been easier if he wouldn't have, yeah. right? It, yep. it would have been so much easier if he had just let me go with my mom and my sister. And he he fought for me. And so that kind of um, blanketed my whole relationship with him and me feeling protective of him. Yeah. And and in hindsight and going on the journey since he passed away, I had built up so much resentment for him because he didn't protect me with an abusive stepmom for a decade. Yeah. And I didn't know it because I wouldn't allow myself to have a realistic conversation with my own dialogue with myself about, oh my gosh, it's my dad and I'm going to protect him at all costs. Yeah. Even at the detriment to the what was building up in me, which was resentment. Right. So while he's chasing a dream, you're living in this nightmare of abuse. Yeah. Which, and and I don't need to jump off no. into my story, but was riddled with sexual abuse yep. and physical and emotional abuse that I'm like, where was he in all this? Yeah. How did he not know what was going on in his own house? He did. Right. It was easier for him to check out and chase his dream. Yep. And so I had this subconscious resentment building up in my dad for 20 years. Hmm. And the first 10 years he was married to this woman. And then they got divorced, of course, right after I graduated and leave home, which I thought was perfect timing. Right. Like, <laughs> why couldn't that have happened like 10 years earlier? Yeah. And then my whole 20s, I just was running from running. all the things. Yep. But I had built up this resentment, which I never even dealt with or thought of till he died. And he always, we would have Did some Did you even know it was there, though, at all? He would ask me, why don't you ever want to come spend time here? I moved mm. to Emmett so I could be closer to him and yeah. raise my family around the ranch. And I couldn't wait to leave. And he would, he called me out on it a few times. He's like, son, you come up here. I just want to be with you. Wow. And you, the second you get here, you can't, you're, you can't wait to get out of here. You're never relaxed. You never act like you want to be here. And I didn't. I was, and what yeah. I learned, Doc, was I hated that place. Yeah. Because him chasing that dream my whole life of him finally getting his paid off ranch, paid off cow herd. He didn't owe any money to any equipment. Like that was his dream, right? Yeah. He got it. His reward came at a great cost for you. For me. Yeah. So I didn't know why. I couldn't put words to it, but yeah. I I had built up so much resentment for him 
but at the same time, I'm protecting him, right? Yeah. In my in my heart, I'm like, he's my dad. He fought for me, and he raised me, and he was my hero. And, and he's admirable. Like, well, your dad was here's, very admirable to someone like me. Here's the tricky part of that, where I didn't let him have two or three different seasons. I glumped it all into the same, which I yeah. couldn't reconcile. Because the last 20 years of my dad's life, he was not the same man. Right. I mean- He was the man I knew. He was the man you knew. And yep. all my friends, Rob and, 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 and Ryan- was everybody's and, best friend. Oh, my, dude, my friends would go visit my dad when I wasn't even there. I mean, like right. a dozen of them had their own relationships with him. With him. Because he was honorable and he was incredible. And I missed a huge, I'm, I'm telling this, this whole point of this podcast, yeah. right, is to maybe shed some light into, I'm saying all of this to the guy that maybe this is, this, um, he's able to resonate. Some of this is resonating with, like, I wish I would have allowed myself to feel the things when he was alive. Yeah. So that we could have had this talk. And I could have found forgiveness for him while he was still here. So yes. I could have enjoyed him the last 10 years I've lived here. Yes. And I I robbed him and I both of it because of this protection thing of like, I wouldn't go there. He's my dad. He's amazing. He's look at what he's doing in the community. And he had his cowboy church and he impacted so many lives. And inside... Yep. I couldn't even explain, Doc, why when I would take my family up there and we'd go move cows or brant, I I couldn't wait to leave. To get out of there. Because what I learned when he died, I was going up to help my stepmom, Trudy, work cows, and I just dreaded going up there. And I went up there, and she's doing the best she can to keep that place going. And winters are hard, and the... You know, this yeah. post is rotted and this is leaning and that's not the way it used to be. Yep. And I'm like, he, I he, I was the sacrifice of him chasing down his dreams and it's falling apart. Yeah. And I, it hit me so hard of why I didn't like being up there because that, his dream, like you said earlier, wow. was, came at the sacrifice of him not being the best dad in that 10-year yeah. period that he was chasing his dreams. And that represented to me, like, why I didn't want to be there. Yeah. And why it was hard for me to go see it in that state, because I'm like, this world is so temporal. Did you feel a responsibility for it? Because I remember, I mean, I remember a lot of this. Like, I remember the when you called me the day he passed away, I remember you couldn't talk. You were the first person I called, by you, the way. I remember you told me that, and 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 you said, um, I mean, it was just tears. And and you know how that is when somebody calls and and they can't talk. You're like, oh, this isn't good. You just kept saying, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" Yeah, and well, I couldn't even say. Couldn't it. say it. And then and then you said, "My dad." You choked out my dad. I'm like, oh no, like. And then you were able to tell me what happened. And then and then to hear the context through which it happened, where you guys were actually supposed to meet up that morning. 
he was on his way, wasn't he, to meet with you? We, yeah, we were to gonna... talk about the dream that you guys were now like collaborating on. Yeah. So I, I can fast forward because because that launched you into the, your own journey of I don't know what to do with this. My world changed like this in a fraction of a blink of an eye. My world changed. All these other things are happening on the in in the same confines of this huge loss. We're in the middle of starting not start we had already started the business, but we're a couple of years into this thing. We're just starting to try to get momentum in Texas. We've got these new partners that just came on and and so there's these dynamics. And, and now this thing happens for you. And I remember being in, in Texas at one point and we would talk every so often, not every day, but every so often just to check in. And it was like, all right, you need however much time you need to, to deal with this and process this. And because I knew the relationship with your dad and um and how hard that was and how devastating it was because uh, again my journey's different than than yours but the question just hit me was when you were there for those whatever it was few months trying to help Trudy up there and then in that journey you're finding out some other things that you're like oh my gosh my dad didn't do this and was did you feel a responsibility for helping him hold on to that dream? Well, it, yeah, because he died in like January, the the year that we all refer to as Snowmageddon. Yeah. I had just had major reconstructive shoulder, shoulder surgery. And my dad had to feed his cows with the team. Yep. That was the only thing that could get out to their feed ground. And... It was the biggest snowfall on record, right? So yeah. I, it was like the perfect storm. So I went up there in my living quarters horse trailer, which are not meant to be living in 40 below no. winters, and stayed to help Trudy with my bum shoulder and because she couldn't harness the team. Yeah. So I just remember feeding his calves underneath the shelter and then harnessing the team every day and driving out there and Trudy and I feeding and just weeping. Yeah. Like I can't believe, cause my dad was so much larger than life Yeah, and it was, he just was, had so much charisma and is a passionate guy. And so to, I mean, when he first died in Idaho, if you bury someone within 48 hours, you don't have to embalm him. So somebody from his church built him a pine box. And I'll never forget his pine box was sitting in his horse stable where we'd harness the team. Wow. On I picture. I know exactly where you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. On some saw horses. Mm-hmm. And for two days, I would have to harness his team. Oh, wow. And drive Jeremy. him in and out of that barn. With him laying there. Wow. Um, 
it was just so devastating because mm. he had worked on the see the flip side of the coin is he'd worked so hard to get it and he had it yeah and and he was just talking a lot about finishing well he wanted to finish this life well with his relationships intact and he'd gotten his place dialed in and like to to be up there and right thrown smack dab in the middle of it and all the roofs were trying to cave in so all my friends were coming up and shoveling roofs yeah. and I mean, it was like trying to keep everything alive and dealing with this enormous loss all in the middle of it was just a really, man, that was a tough couple months, man. And I just remember like being so torn because you were taking care of the business and you were gone away from your family and letting me deal with that and missing my own wanting to be wanting to yeah. be away from there like they're I got dealing, stuck. your family's dealing with us oh. too and you're even separate I'm not even from there your kids yeah your I can't wife. even my wife's devastated and right my sister and her family and Jason and I, I just it was such a bizarre looking back at it it's like almost like it didn't happen you know like any yeah. kind of trauma field event and like there's nothing I could do about it yeah. right like my shoulder was like I totally wrecked it again by doing, you know, all, all the, the things, that, shoveling snow yeah. and harnessing the team. And I got, we were some bulls I were sorting. I got mucked out by a bull. I fell on the ice. And anyway, it just, it was a really hard season of not wanting to be there, but having to. And I felt like it was forcing me to deal with some things that I'd been running from in that regard of like, and I, I know the stigma around, again, kind of like protecting our parents. And this podcast is not about shitting on no. our dads. It's the opposite. It's about how do you go on the journey of finding healing with your dad when they're gone? And, yeah. and the men I meet with, I always encourage them to have hard conversations with mom and dad while you still can. Because that there is opportunity for redemption in that. And we've seen that with some Absolutely. of the men at Wild Courage that have had the courage to go. I wish I could have went and sat down with my dad or went and... Today. Yes. Knowing what I know now, mm -hmm. went up on the mountain in his, his summer lease where his cows were. He'd love to go check on his cows yeah. and ride up there because it's incredible up Rush Creek. And I wish today I could have went with him, just me and him, and shared with him and gave him the opportunity to clean up his mess with me that he didn't even know. Yeah. And and meanwhile, I'm building resentment towards him for something that if he knew, because my dad was a good dad. Absolutely. If he knew the pain that he had caused me, he 100% would have validated that pain. And through tears, mm -hmm. would have asked for his for my forgiveness and it would have changed the dynamic of our relationship. Yeah. But I never gave him the opportunity and I'm not, I'm not being hard on myself. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know, which is the point of why we're having this conversation. And that's why I encourage guys to go have talks with their dads and their moms to say, look, that thing we're afraid of, look, I did it with my mom. You've all yeah. heard that story. And the fruit of it is, is 
my mom and I are in a great spot now. And I didn't do that with my dad because of the protection thing. I'm like, well, I don't want him to feel, he already feels bad enough about all the marriages and all the divorces and all the things like, and the other thing that I got help through counseling was like, and I can't say this loud enough or clear enough. Our parents' emotional well-being is not our responsibility. Yeah. That's the most important thing you're going to hear me say on this whole podcast. And that's what somebody shared with me. And it gave me the courage to have the talk with my mom mm-hmm. that I wished I would have thought. Because, again, in the protection mode of our parents, we carry the weight of their emotional response to some hard things that we might have to tell them because they're going to go into a shame spiral, right? Right. Like, Oh, I'm never good enough. And I've tried, no, that's not it. You need to listen to what I'm saying. Yeah. This was my experience in this situation and it hurt me. Yep. And I want you to know about it and give them the opportunity to clean it up. And I know my dad would have jumped all over that. He was begging me for it in his own words, you know, to do it. Because he's like, why don't you want to spend time up here more? Right. My heart wanted to, or my mind, you know what I mean? Like I'd go up there all the time. You're you're, everything in you wanted that connection, wanted to. Just like all of us. Absolutely. I'd get up there, dude, and I can't explain it. I'd be like, oh, we got a soccer practice. Or my dad's like, can Leighton miss one baseball practice to spend the afternoon here. You guys just got here two hours ago. And I'm like, no, we got to go. And I didn't know why. Now I do. But if I could have had the language and the understanding to be like, dad, we need to have a real talk here. That's really interesting. And I mean, that, that statement alone and that picture alone makes me think of, in, in all reality, just being transparent. Um. Actually, no, it's being vulnerable because this I don't know what this where this is gonna land is I feel that way going home now even sometimes because I've gotten so accustomed to conversate this is everyday conversation for us. Yeah. And I've gotten so accustomed to that and I I realize in my life I long for this. This is I could talk either talk about like in this case, our father or talk about the father all day long. That's the that's what I I love having deep conversations. I'm not a I can't carry a very good conversation about the weather or sports or anymore, shallow, yeah. or or I, I just don't have the capacity. And sometimes when I go home, I I feel like this is a rut that small rural America may find themselves in at times if we're not careful is I'm going to, I've got this small community that my life revolves around. And, and in that I've got a, I get to be a shiny, happy person within those confines, which means I never take the time to actually do the things that we're doing where you you dive into your story, you find out that gosh, maybe my maybe some things about my life weren't exactly great. Maybe some things, maybe I needed something that I didn't get somewhere along the way. Maybe I actually have a desire to explore an emotion that I didn't think was a, a good quality 
and and in that we we uh, we actually end up withholding from ourselves. Oh yeah, and um, and I see that sometimes when I go when I go home. Um, and that that becomes the challenge of recognizing, you know, in in my journey, recognizing this is what um, my family was accustomed to, not just my parents, but generations. You know, when I graduated from high school, I was think I was either third or fourth generation. So it's a history there. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and it, and so I, I say that from that, like, man, that's just so interesting how to be where we are now and to have the conversations that we have now, I can picture the same thing with my dad of, of, man, I would, and I know exactly where I would go have this conversation. Just like you're saying, I'd go, I'd go up to the mountains with my dad and have that conversation. I can picture this place called Sichi Hollow back home and that's it was a state park that was right by the property that my dad and and uncles all grew up on I, that's where we would go we'd probably go up to somewhere like what we called the west pasture and and that's where I could see us having the, that type of conversation yeah it it's it uh, to hindsight right mm-hmm. like and it's 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 like this in life it's just like my wife like the there's two sides of the coin my dad if if i didn't grow up in the environment i did so this this is why i keep saying i you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater my dad chasing his dreams cost me greatly yeah my dad chasing his dreams taught me how to 100%. chase my dreams we would not be sitting here if my dad hadn't modeled to me Hundred percent. What it looks like to go chase down your dreams, and not be afraid to move. My dad was mobile. He would go yep. from we would go from a ranch to another ranch to a better ranch. You know, all cowboys are looking for that perfect outfit, but he had a goal in mind. And he's like, I need to learn this skill set, this skill set. I need to work for a big outfit. I need to work for a mom pie outfit. I need to manage a ranch. I need to do all this so that I can put the all the things together so I can someday and, and go do it have my own. Yep. And he showed me how to do that. It it was costly for all of us Absolutely. and some marriages, but you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So I'm not sitting here crying that my dad didn't show up for me all the ways yeah. I needed him to because he never played basketball or football with me, which was all I cared about growing up outside of the horse thing. That's, yep. that's I, re- I remember you saying when you were processing just the your your dad being gone. I remember you telling me, I don't even know if I like roping. I don't even know if I like horses. In, Dude, like, and it, because you were one. realizing that that was the place that y- you you met your dad. Well, that was the only place he showed up for me. Yeah. that instead It wasn't the sports. It wasn't. It, it was. <clears throat> no, it, it was. That was a harsh. I, I kind of walked away from this whole cowboy mm-hmm. thing because I, I thought. Man, did I do this just because it was the only place my dad really showed up for me? Like, it was the only place he was ever proud of me or wanted to be involved. And even later in life, I mean, he would he would go to Ropens with me. He would drive a long ways to come watch me compete. I remember. And, and again, he changed a lot. Yeah, but absolutely. 
growing up, just looking back to your point, I remember the day that that hit me and I'm like, I, did I even really like this? Yeah. And the truth is, yes, I, I, I did and I still do, but it's for me. Right. I mean, I spent 20 years trying to be a better hand than my dad and my uncle mm-hmm. to, to that end. I wanted to be a better horseman and roper than them. And I wanted to go work in country that they didn't work in because everywhere I went, it was, oh, you're Johnny Morris's son and Ricky Morris's nephew. Yeah. Which I, I, I love that now. But at the time, just like any young man, I needed to go make my own mark on right. the world, right? And I became a good roper. Which became I, a motivator. Well, it became like, my identity and yeah. it became all the wrong things. And, oh, man, you sure can drink whiskey and all the things <laughs> that comes with that. But, again, I... In this healing journey, and I I do kind of want to wrap this part of it up by saying it's not too late. I've experienced so much healing when my dad died in learning how to mourn Mm -hmm. and knowing how important mourning is. And as men, you know, again, the stigma of no emotions. And my dad was a good, he was a hard man, but he was a good man and it didn't affect me. That's the way we were raised. He taught me how to be tough. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And there's some ramifications of that. And I know, dude, I know the audience we're speaking to, and I know that there's probably a lot of dudes cringing to this right now that are like, ugh, this is often the soft, you know, emotional, touchy-feely stuff too much, but... I'm just sitting here telling you I am a better father to my children yep. because I said yes to this whole process of getting healing, emotional healing from my dad who's gone. Yep, It's made me, and I also, this is twofold. I'm a better dad. I also have such fondness for my dad where that bitterness, because I went and dealt with all the bitterness. And was able to go through the process and forgive him and also find compassion for him and his story. One of six, grew up dirt poor. You know what I mean? Where you fit in the birth order and all of that. Like he, he, what he was modeled is he did a better job than probably he was, you know. Absolutely. Showed. We have to think that, right? Because we, we use that to create excuses for our families, our parents, we, we, we do it with ourselves Yep. is, but once you get to that realization that we were just talking about this beforehand of if once you get to the realization that, no, you know what, actually, I, I really don't think that my dad withheld anything from me. Why would he? He absolutely, you don't know what you don't know. No. And so I think my dad did an amazing job with, yep. with, my dad was heartbroken when my mom and dad got divorced. I mean, devastated. And I've talked about that on here before, like wailing, crying himself to sleep at night. And he chose me. Yep. He fought for me. My mom didn't just give me up. You know what I mean? Like it, it, he chose me and fought for me. And I'll say this too, and then we'll jump into your story with your dad. My dad prayed and read the Bible to me every night my whole life. Yep. And when I had stepbrothers and sisters and all the things, like, that was a non-negotiable for him. Yeah. He raised me right. Yep. And I am so grateful now that I have that foundation. And 
my dad got freedom from religion too, um, probably 20 plus years ago before yeah. he started Angel Camp Cowboy Church. And his life drastically changed when he broke up with religion. Yeah. And got set free from that that whole thing, which we don't need to get into. And I'm so grateful. Well, I, I would challenge we, th- that there needs to be a mention of that because you being able to witness that has allowed you to go on this journey of doing the same thing. Oh, dude. Yeah, you're right. He, again, he modeled it to me. Absolutely. Because I thought that religion was supposed to look like this and the denomination that subsequently you yeah. and I both grew up in. And I'm grateful for it. Absolutely. I'm not great foundation. Great foundation. Like all man-made religious stuff, they got a lot wrong and they got a lot right. And I'm not even going to mention which one it is because it doesn't matter. But my dad went on a different path and he modeled it to me and he became a different man when he left that that religion. And the, the wholeness and freedom that I saw him walk in the last 20 years of his life. Yep was fascinating to me to watch him change into a different thing. Man, that's why I say I look at my dad in 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 stages now and what he was from zero to eighteen. Oh. Trying to figure it out. And the man he became the last twenty years yeah. is not the same no. man. And I have grace and compassion and I've been able to forgive that zero to eighteen dad. Yeah. And of my life zero to eighteen. And understand that he was on the journey and he fought for it. And he modeled to me something completely different. And it allowed me to go on this journey because it's impossible to look at God without looking at God through a lens that we look at our earthly father. Yeah. And this is where you and I and Brian and see in wild courage of men that are like, have this weird thought about who God is, is because it's, it's, you can't not look at him without looking through the lens of how you see your earthly father. hundred percent. Right. And there's usually condemnation or shame or fear, fear, punishment. Absolutely. Involve that. So my kind of final point here is my relationship with God has changed as I've gotten healing with my dad. I've yeah. been able to view him differently as as I've gotten this healing with my dad. Um, probably 15 years ago, um, I was drunk one night and I told my dad about some of my sexual abuse because he called me and I was in my hiding and yeah. wherever and drunk instead of being at home with my wife and kid. And he's like are you drinking? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. why? And all the things. And I finally just kind of blurted it out. And as a, I wish I would have done a better job with that. Yeah. Because the shame and guilt that my dad felt, and I never let him off the hook with it because I never talked to him about it again. Yeah. All he wanted was names and to know who he needed to go clean house with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I'm glad even in my drunken state, I didn't tell him any names yeah. because I was fearful of what he would do. And I never circled back to that to yeah. let him off the hook. Mm-hmm. He felt well, that he felt, he felt responsible and shameful for that. 
and 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 in my own defense, I never I've received a lot of healing in that since he's been gone because I didn't still didn't yeah. talk about it until after he was gone. But that's why I think just having these scary as hell conversations yep. with our parents is important because I was able to have that conversation with my mom, and she, we both found so much healing and freedom in in that. Yeah, but I just again. I would just encourage anyone to like, it's scary, man. Just go for it. It's so scary. But and again, I'm going to say this again. We're not responsible for no. our parents' emotional well-being. And and somehow we've got this codependency with our parents, right? Oh, 100%. Of like, we got to protect them from things that happen and everything and, and breaking up with that and that shame yeah. of like, I'm not responsible for you. Yep. I That doesn't mean... I love it when people say, well, the Bible says, well, being honoring our parents is different than being honest with them. And or Exactly. Right? That's so true, man, because if we're being honest, there's a whole lot of things to unpack and to reconcile, to find grace and compassion for each other in. If we're just going to honor for the sake of honoring... That's sweeping everything under that's the rug. Sweeping, that's shiny, happy people. Right. That's and 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 I had this picture one time of um uh, of grace and it was if 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 this is the cross here, right, and and we find grace at the cross, the the rug that we're sweeping things under is not mm. at the foot of the cross. It's way over here in the in the you know acreage away from the cross. It's not where shiny it's it's just not the place you find it. Um, something that that just hit me. We were talking about um, just that journey of if if you had been able to have the conversation with your dad. It's almost like the minute you fifteen years ago you shared with your dad in a drunken state. Hey, this is what happened to me. We got to unload. You got to unload something. But but now it became his problem to a degree too, which again that's not. But when you don't have the ability to keep going with, okay, you, you don't get to the reconciliation. You don't get it, nor does he. Yeah, you got to do the work. Yeah, and that's where I didn't have the courage. I didn't know how. You didn't know how. You didn't have the tools. Yet. I didn't have the tools yet. But you had the pain. I just. I just wish that I could have let him off the hook and not like in a guilt, not in a way that's like, it wasn't your fault. It was, but just to know that I'm okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the, that's the thing I think with, when we say that, like letting people off the hook, that doesn't mean we're sweeping it. No. That means that I want you to know that I have, grace and compassion for you now. And I actually love you more now today because I've gotten to this place of healing with you than I did 15 years ago. Well, it's, it's forgiveness. Exactly. Like I got to do that with my mom. I got to say, yeah, I I forgive you. Yep. And I didn't get to do that with my dad. Mm -hmm. So I know that that probably as a father, I can't imagine my kid telling me, that's the thing, you guys, like, just put the shoe on the other foot for one second, <laughs> like, uh, uh, on both sides of it, right? Like, 
I always tell guys like, well, my dad's an asshole and this and that. I'm like, well, tell me about your dad's story. Well, his dad was a drunk and beat. And I'm like, okay. Now it makes sense. And it's, it's incredible to watch guys go from saying my dad's an asshole and a jerk and to watch them melt as I'm like, tell me your dad's story. Yeah. And they just get soft and the compassion comes over them for their dad. And I'm like, okay, here we are. Yeah. Right. Because that changes everything. But it doesn't mean that we need to sweep our stuff under the rug. Just see, I think there's, this is such a process, right? Because you can go that way and be like, well, my dad had it worse than me. So he gets a free ride to being an asshole. Yeah. And it's like, no, there needs to be some accountability and he needs to know the ways that he showed up and how it affected yep. you. But it also, bitterness just doesn't, is a pill that doesn't help anyone. And no. if we can get to getting rid of bitterness through compassion and then have the courage to actually have some hard conversations, yeah. that's where healing on both ends can happen. 100%. I want to I want to share this too, because I, f- I feel like it's relevant to... A little bit ago, you talked about and and talk to the guys, the the people that are going to look at this like, oh, here we go. These guys are getting soft and talking about this, these this these feelings and whatever. And like, I want to be tough. I want, you know, you can be tough the rest of your life, or you could be courageous mm. and. And actually get to a place in your life where where toughness is redefined for you. Because I think 20 years ago, both of us would have, would have stood in a space of, yeah, tough is this exterior, like, you could beat the shit out of me and I'm not going to, and I'll just give it right back to you. And, and but yet, if you said something to me, I'm either going to respond with this incredible intense anger and I'm going to get, and, and and then we're going to throw down or I'm going to curl up in a ball because I would, I would rather you punch me into the throat than use those words that are going to cripple me and, and, and drop me to my knees. So there's varying degrees of toughness. Well, that's a great point because tough masculine, masculine men who are like, or what you're yep. describing, what's what's scarier? What's what takes more courage? Exactly, being being a hard ass, or actually letting some of these emotions that make us do the things that they do, mm-hmm. dealing with them. Because what's at stake? To be this is I love this type of language yeah. that's changing everything for me. Is what's at stake? My grandkids. Exactly. Because what our dads modeled to us. And the 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 difference in what how healthy we get is what we're modeling to our kids. And, the, and you hear me say this all the time. I'm like, what would happen if one man could go get healthy and whole in his own heart, go home, contend for his wife, and model that to his kids? Just doing that alone would change the planet. It would. Because now we're talking generational. Absolutely. Right? Because this is something you and Brian and I talk about all the time is like about our grandkids. Yep. And it's 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 a theory of like what if we become such good dads that our kids and we model it so well that our sons and daughters go replicate the same. Now, we're leaving generational 
um, inheritances that actually make a difference on planet Earth. Yep. That's or we can just be tough and shut down and and, and it'll manifest somewhere. It, it'll that, show that, up that everything that is, is that you're trying to be tough against and and tough. It, we think when we have that posture, we think we're being tough, and other people see how tough you are, right? But in reality, all we're all we're wrestling with is ourselves. Me, me, me putting up a persona being tough in front of you, that's, that's you're going to read me like a book and yeah. you're going to be like, I've seen you, you're, you, you think you're this tough dog, alpha male, but I see right through you. I see a broken little boy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think some of the language that we're learning now and we see it in our retreats and around the fires is recognizing that and then being like, okay. Now I'm not talking to your head that's trying to be tough. I'm talking to your heart that has an expression that it's been trying to release for years. And we're going to pull on that. Tell me about your dad. Yep. And and we start inching our way into this thing to where people finally realize, okay, maybe it's okay for me to have Maybe it is okay for me to actually express anger in a healthy, safe environment where guys can help me process where does that come from and why does it show up with my kids? And and then I get angry at myself because now I've, I'm becoming what was modeled to me. And we don't know how to unpack that, but we try to protect it, right? Like you're yeah, saying. The shame of it all is like we're – Especially guys our age, right? Absolutely. That are past middle life, like we're into the 50-something range. And it's like, I know a lot of men that look in the mirror and hate the man that's looking back at them because it looks so much like their dad. Yeah. And that's where being tough can get you. Mm -hmm. And to your point, it's like nothing about what we're talking about is means being soft. Yep. I wrestle with my boys so hardcore and I'm trying to teach them how to be men and how to be masculine and how to be strong and how to not um, put up with being bullied and how to be a leader. And none of that is about being passive and soft. No. But I also make messes that I have to clean up with my boys. And it's one of our core values of humility. Yeah. You should see my text chain with my 15-year-old son. I feel like every other day it's, son, I'm so sorry that I was a jerk wow. on the way to school today. And I talked to you in a way that I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you like that. That's and so that, and that doesn't mean there's journey. no accountability. Here's, here's the accountability in communication. If this isn't done, then this, yeah. and, it, and it's setting it up. So I'm not an angry, pissed off asshole of a dad all the time. But hey, there's consequences for your actions. Yep. But the way I communicate that to you through my own crap, that's the mess that I need and to do. And this clean is the up. beauty of that is it's open dialogue with with Leighton, right? So you're modeling this thing with him that is gonna leave a framework for him to be like, okay, here's where my dad really got did this well. Here's where it he didn't. And I'm going to have that with my daughter. Yeah. We're going to have this where we we crushed it 
in this aspect of being a father, we we still had our moments of brokenness that showed up in these areas where our kids are going to need some help to process what we did to them. My sister-in-law, Becca, she says, we're not saving, we're not saving money for our child's college fund. We're saving for their future <laughs> counseling. <laughs> What's the number one thing around our Wild Courage Fires? The number one narrative that where men feel like they're blowing it. Oh, it's dads. Being dads. Yep. And I we know some of these men's stories, right, who had hard dads. Yeah. Hard dads, like past abusive, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And this is what I always like to tell guys. Do you know how much you stick up for your dad anytime any of us try to try to go there with you and he was so hard? What makes you think our children don't have grace for us? Right. That's the that's the like common denominator yep. is like look how much we we protect our parents in the areas where they blew it. Yep. Like, well, they're doing the best they can, or they're they had it better than their dad. And I'm like, you're ten thousand times doing a better job than your dad. And do you think your kids aren't going to have grace for you? Yeah. Like, because that is a thing that is happening, and is again just the narrative that I think the accuser wants dads to think is Absolutely. that we suck and we're blowing it. And it's like, could I be a better dad? 10 billion percent. Am I perfect? No. No. And the judgment and the shame that we put on ourselves as dads, it only leads us the wrong way. Yep. Right? It 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 means you want to be masculine and be tough, lean into the hard things, lean in and putting your gosh damn phone down. Yep. And I'm speaking to myself. When your kid's playing Legos and wants to play buck and bull, go do it. Go do it. You know what I mean? None Absolutely. of us are that important or that busy. And again, I'm only talking to myself right now, but it's true. This is I think how we how we change things, but I want to I want to I want to get into cuz I feel like we could talk about that whole yeah thing because we've really leaned in Maybe that's part 2. Yeah, just what does it look like to be a dad in process? Yeah. You know? I just I I do want to say this to follow up on what we just said with the the toughness thing to anybody that's out there that is I I would just pose this challenge to to you guys is switch the narrative go from being trying to be tough to trying to be courageous. Oh, that's really good. There's a big difference. Big difference. Go and, be a man of courage. And and ask yourself what that means because I think it means something different to everyone. 100%. Like what cuz I can tell you 10 areas right now where I need to be more courageous in yep. leading my family and being a dad. And those are the scary, vulnerable places, right? Where it's like, gosh, dang, I don't know if that's... And, and they're the so places... it's different for everyone. Absolutely. And they're the places that if we really explore it, and I'm just, again, I'm diving into my own story, is if I'm being really honest, it's the place that I'm probably going to withhold from my daughter as a father the, the most, is the place that scares me the most. Well, of course. So if, I'm, if I can be courageous... Then I can actually leave this world thinking and with the with the reality of I did not withhold anything. Yeah. Humility and being courageous, I think, are the two things. Yeah, I agree. And man, our kids are so good at quick to forgive. If we, oh. if when I do get low and clean up my messes with my boys and my daughter, the the grace and it's natural it's so fast it's, it's natural so yeah. fast and freeing of the shame of feeling like you're blown as dead um 
But let's jump into your story, which is super fresh and yeah. new. Your dad had a little bit different of a journey than mine. My dad went super fast, uh, suddenly heart attack, um, healthy, never drank, smoked, boom. And your dad's held on for a long time. Yeah, yeah my dad passed away in April of last year and had gone through the journey of dementia. Yeah. And, you know, I still don't know what you call it. If, if it seems like some camps you, you hear dementia, some it's Alzheimer's. There's some differences. I don't know either one of them. They are a slow burn yeah. um, process. Like I, I just got this picture while we were talking earlier of it's like putting a candle out here and a, and it's tall. It's a big candle, you know, and you think, wow, we got all the time in the world. Mm. And then after we sit here for a little while, pretty soon that candle's down to where it's like almost nothing. And then you start to realize, oh my gosh, we don't have much time. And and that's like what it, I would say that's a good picture of what it's like to watch somebody with a debilitating um, illness or disease or or handicap is it's like a slow burn process. And and you can't put the fire out. It and so my dad, um, I don't remember the year exactly that we we that he got diagnosed with dementia. You just start seeing it, yeah, and it starts showing up, and you start realizing now nah, he's not remembering the the simple things. He remembers things from fifty years ago, but. It's a slow process of all of a sudden not remembering, like, that he had breakfast. Yeah, my grandma had that. She could tell me every detail of her and my grandpa Layton's first date. And in the same set, in the same conversation, asked me if I had any kids and what were their names. And I'm like, I have a son named Layton after him. Right. After grandpa. And then five minutes later, asked me the same thing. Yeah. It's just, it's... It's a real sick disease. It, it's man. yeah. It's 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 not a, a and and you think it, like for my dad, we were fortunate because my dad never had fits of rage that you hear about with you know some people that go through it. It affects everybody differently. Um, in twenty twenty, my mom um, decided that you know she she had considered it, pr- prayed about it, did all the things. And actually came to the the realization and the finality of, okay, it's time to put my dad in a nursing home. He was uh, 80 years old. And I remember my dad at one point, he just wanted to make it to 80 hmm. because nobody in his family, none of his siblings had, he's, he's got, he's the kind of the middle, the fourth of seven. And, um, or eight, seven. No, it is eight. Seven brothers, one sister. And they had all passed in chronological order. Oh, dang. My Uncle Merle, Aunt Annette, Uncle Ed, and then now my dad was... And, he, and, and I remember having this conversation years ago with my dad. Was he recognized that? And it and 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 he had this like overarching like I think fear in reality of I could be next. 
right? And he just, I just remember him at one point saying, I just, I, you know, I want to, I want to make it to 80. So this was probably when he was like 78, somewhere in there. So, you know, um, and I remember listening when he told me that what, what struck me was the, I could, I could hear the fear, you know, never said it, never expressed it, never, you know, but I could hear the, the fear. Um, and that's when I, I think started realizing with my dad, like there's, there's a lot of stuff that I don't, I don't know. And, um, diving into, I think, I, I feel like this part, like I need to dive into my story in, in 2020 when I, mom made the decision to put dad in the nursing home. We we're going to do it July of 2020. So I drove from here to South Dakota by myself. And, um, and I remember leaving here and I, I was just angry. It's a two and a half day drive. And the whole way there, I was just, I was just mad. And I was mad um, for multiple reasons. I was mad because of the situation, the circumstance. I was mad at my dad. I was mad because I finally felt like I had some tools to say some things and have some conversations. And and now I'm going back to put my dad in a nursing home because he doesn't have the mental faculties to to have that type of conversation. And I just remember I was just angry going 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 back. And then um and then I felt like I I actually hit that point after about the first day and a half of driving. I, I feel like I actually hit a point of of hitting a spot where I started looking at my dad based on what it hit what it what was it like for him? I had never thought about that. And all of a sudden I find myself in that spot of well, what was it? and then I'd like, well I knew my grandpa and and my grandpa was a was uh, compared to the rest of my uncles and all of us cousins, he was a small guy and real quiet. Um, I would say non-confrontational that I that I know of. I, I never knew my grandma. She passed away in an auto accident before I was born. But I knew my step grandma. My my grandpa had remarried, and I knew I knew her. But I didn't know what it was like then for my dad and uncles and everybody to grow up in the home that they grew up because I didn't know my grandma. I just had heard that uh, she was a, a robust lady with this huge personality and a, and a, this jovial laugh and whatnot. Um, so I I had this picture right of what life was like in their home, but but I didn't have an understanding of what life was like in the home. Anyhow, it made me it made me get to this place with my dad of realizing um I can actually go on this journey and find out places where my dad um for for a long time probably we started doing a lot of this these conversations and deep diving into this 
kind of when we had our office in Eagle, right? So like 2018, 2019, somewhere in there, we would dive into these things. And then in the process of talking about it and unlocking our own stories and I, and me getting to a place where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to try to defend anybody. I'm not going to try to defend my parents because anytime somebody would talk about, we'd start talking about our families. If somebody said something about like my family, to your point, we, we defend them. And then I realized somebody had said this somewhere once that the reason we defend is because we're 50% our moms, we're 50% our dads. When somebody starts talking about them, you mm, feel attacked. That's real good. And you get defensive. <clears throat> and it's a natural response until you recognize, okay, why am I getting defensive? And then you realize, oh, it's because they're talking about my dad. Or we're talking about something that makes me think about my dad. Well, in, in, in some of these conversations, we would talk about our dads and 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 I'm around these guys that have dads that are heroes. And for every young man, their dream is that their father would be their hero. Mm. And then when you dive into your own story and you think, all right, well, is my dad my hero? And and I felt like I had the I had hit this spot in my life where I was like, no. Um my dad's not my hero. Yeah, that's a tough place. Because I didn't have a high emotional intelligence. When I'm when I'm around these guys, right, and they're deep diving into these these places of emotion and they're you know, we'd we'd start talking and people would be like, Well, how does that make you feel? And then I'd you know, when you're like, well, I'm not real sure. And then they put a list of feeling words in front of you. And I'm looking at this list thinking, okay, now the only feeling I have is I'm either confused or pissed. <laughs> like, <laughs> because somebody had to put a list in front of me. Because I don't even know me, how I feel. Because I don't even, I, I don't have the language for it. And then he realized that, that it, it was because I lived in a, in a setting, a culture where we didn't, we were very non-confrontational. Um, my, my dad, my parents always showed up for us. Like I have no doubt at all that, that uh, my dad was proud. I know it because I, he, he, they showed up and they, they were in the cheering section for us. Yeah. Somebody was always present at a sporting event, whether it was a football even the individual ones, you know, where I was in wrestling or track or whatever, somebody was always there. And and usually it was, was mom or dad. And, um, and then I, I got the, the funny story. My dad, one time we were in a, a football game. It was a playoff game and it was a, against a conference rival. And my dad always, he loved doing this, but he wanted to be as close to the game as possible. So he was on the chain gang. And so, like he's volunteering, volunteering for, and so he's on the chain gang. And this team that we're up against, they were the the from a Catholic school and whatnot. And (laughs) they would their coach was yelling at us, calling us pussies, and like, hey, you guys need to like, they're just a bunch of, they're they're a bunch of lightweights, they're a bunch of pussies, and all this stuff. And and uh, my dad's hearing all this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine. you you know me well enough that that 
I can only, I'll take it and I'll take it for a long time. And then I'll hit a point where yeah. I won't. Look and, out. and then it's this, and that was, that was what was happening with my dad. <laughs> so at the end of the game, he, he was telling me this, that he, everybody's trotting off the field, right? And, and he, they, he drops the chain and, and he runs right in front of the coach. We had won the game in like the last minute of the game or something. And he runs by the coach and he just goes, you still think they're a bunch of pussies? <laughs> <laughs> this is from one of the Your deacons cons- in church. Yeah, the most conservative dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And, and so when, when he told me that, I've always held on to that that's with fun. that, like, yeah, that was my dad. Like that, he was a defender. Yeah. And, and, and very proud of, of us as kids. That that got modeled really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the part that that wasn't modeled well was the the emotional stuff, because we didn't know how to unpack emotions. We didn't know how to talk about how we felt. Um, we tried to express it as best she could, um, but I I don't think I told my dad. That I that I love you until well into my twenties, mm. and I remember Isn't the first interesting, yeah. And and again, this is in a, a model Christian home. Yeah. Um. I in fact I remember it. I remember telling him on the phone that I love you, and. The the response, if and and this probably resonates with a lot of people, but the response was, "Yep, yep, yep, yep me too. Yep, yep nope. I didn't oh, even get me get that. too. He just, yep, yeah. yep, yep." And then the next time I got the, "Yep, yep, me too." Yeah. And then the next time it was, "Yep, yep, love you too." You know, it took yeah, some time, yeah. but that first time I remember saying, "I love you" on the phone, it was, "Yep, yep, yep." And that now I know what was going on. At the time, it, it didn't even register. I just was like, well, that's just dad, you know. And and now I I think back on that and I'm like, wow, what a what an opportunity I had had I known what I know now back then. Cause I could have pre- I could have pressed when when we got together in person. We could have we could have processed it. We could have talked about it. We could have we could have actually expressed the things that were in our hearts because that yeah 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 I know what it meant yeah but and and I know how I received it but there was there was something about actually hearing the words that are that that our hearts are trying to say. And using our words to actually express them and not just sounds, not just like grunts, and sometimes not even just actions. Sometimes we need to hear the words. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think a lot of people probably hear the words and get no action behind it. Right. And this is kind of, again, the other side of that coin of Mm -hmm. like, I remember as you were processing, you know, in the months after your dad passed, just kind of all of these things you're sharing with us now is like, man, it would have been 
I know he, I knew he loved, you'd always contend, like I knew he loved us. He showed us in all the ways, you know, that he knew how to, but to hear that yeah, and how powerful our words can be. And, and then again, the flip side of that is the guy that says it all the time and there's no action behind it. Yeah. And just how the balanced approach of like, I'm going to use these words, but I'm going to back them up. Right. I think that's what we're talking about, right? The goal is, is like to say the words and then back them up with action. Absolutely. I remember um, all through, I I don't remember as a, as so from zero to, I, I left for college when I was 18. And, and so from zero to 18, I don't remember um, physical contact um, or being the words, I love you, being used often. Um, I had this conversation with my wife a few years ago because every time I would talk about my family, I would I would justify something. And it was always... You know, and, and again, we're around these people that are going after emotional health and wholeness, and they're using the language that is foreign to me. And I would always feel like I was going to justify things for my, like I like I needed to somehow let my family off the hook. And and I would say these things. I would say that we never really said it. We never really showed it. We just knew yeah. that we were loved. And I, I still, to a degree, believe that. I, 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 when I think back of it now, I, I, f- somehow felt loved, um, but it really wasn't said often. It wasn't shown. We weren't huggy, touchy, um, and my wife called me out on it, and she just said, "Why do you always do that? Why do you always justify that when, whenever you talk about?" your upbringing family, you, you you always say that. And now I'm getting defensive, right? Because she's talking about my family and mom and dad, and now I feel attacked. So I'm getting defensive. Well, now all of a sudden I've got these tools to be like, wait, why am I getting defensive? So I just stop. I put the gun down and I just stop. And I listen and she says, think about it for a minute. With your daughter, if you don't tell her you love her and you don't show her that you love her, how is she ever going to know? And then it's like the aha moment of of me having to not just chew on that, but come to the realization that now I also have to admit that my wife is right, which is a whole other podcast. That's fun. (laughs) Right. That's a fun one. (laughs) And... But I'm able to say that, and I just said, you're absolutely right. I don't know why I always have to do that, but you're absolutely right. If I don't do that with Amelia, with my daughter, how is she ever going to know? What I didn't realize was that was also going to send me on another part of the journey of while I was driving back to South Dakota, that conversation came to, came to memory and now I get to actually, after going through a day and a half of being angry at my dad, for because I felt like, I'm like, man, I, I could use this emotional health. And I feel like it was withheld. I got all these guys that are like unlocking all this emotion 
all these things that were bottled up and they're going after it and they're putting language to it and they're getting whole. And I don't, I feel like I'm a kindergarten kid around some of you guys, you know, and, and I'm holding my dad accountable for that hmm. because for whatever reason, I felt like he was responsible. And maybe it's because a lot of our dialogue has to do with our relationships with our dads, even more so than like with our moms to a degree. And, and it's probably because we're men. And I remember the conver- I remember the conversation that I had with Wendy came to came to mind, and then it that took me on this journey of. But but, my dad did the best he could because I know my grandfather, and I know that my dad never, probably never, had a conversation about emotions. Let alone, I don't, I don't know if my dad ever heard the words "I love you." Probably not. I don't know that my dad ever got a hug from his dad. Probably not. And now, for the first time, I'm seeing my dad through his journey, his story, in relation to mine. And all of a sudden, this thing starts happening while I'm driving. I, I, I would say I just felt so fathered for the next full day of my journey. So that by the time I got to South Dakota, I had the re- this realization that, okay, my, my dad doesn't have the mental capacity to, but I can still talk to his heart. Mm-hmm. And I can still use the words that I've learned and I'm learning to, to express some of the things that I want to express. And by the time I get there, it wasn't to have a conversation of why did you not give me what I needed? Why did you, you know, you, you, I needed this and you withheld it from me. It was more along the lines of, Dad, I know you did the best you could. Mm. And all of a sudden, this perspective started shifting where I could actually get to a place of, feeling like you know what maybe my dad maybe my dad could be my hero right maybe and 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 now i could say that there are parts of me that are a direct byproduct of <laughs> of my dad uh, he had a lot of compassion. Very warm. I got to the privilege of spending some holidays with him as we yeah. were living, doing life together over the years, and always jovial, always big smile, always ask good questions. Yep. Yeah, he was amazing. And and now I, I the simplicity that that I looked at like that was a a flaw. The simplicity I look at now and I'm like, oh, that's that's a strength. That's what gives me this ability to sit with guys without judgmental eyes mm-hmm. is let's just meet you where you are. I, I, I don't care what your title is. I don't, I'm, I'm not impressed with like, he just wanted to know people. Yeah. And I think your dad was like this yeah. too. I just want to meet people. 
And I want to, and I'm okay. You don't need to be fancy. Meeting you where you are. Like, let's have a conversation. Yeah. And, and was, was, could have a conversation with anybody. Um, now, I'm, and, I'm, and this is all happening in real time. I'm still finding things about myself that I'm like, oh, that was, that was because of my dad. Um, I, I even have to, I've, I've been most recently processing like the, the tears even because I can, I can picture my dad getting up in front of people and trying to share something that was emotional for him. And, and there'd be tears. I, I even think this now that there were times that my dad would get up and get emotional just doing announcements at church or something. And I believe this because I, I, I'm, this was part of the conversation I had with this heart. I was asking him this because I really feel like my dad had a dream. My dad was a dreamer, just like like your dad was. The, the difference was that my dad never allowed himself to really pursue the dreams. He was a big dreamer, and and I feel like I I learned that and I got that from him. He's thinking out loud. Um, somewhere along the lines, along the way, I f- I feel like I hooked on to the well. Let's go do it. Yep. Let's go do this thing that we <laughs> are talking about. Um. And I think that there were times that my dad would get emotional from the front of the stage, if you will, because I feel like that was really actually part of a dream that he had. Mm. See, I feel like my dad had a call to ministry on his life. And whether that was to be a pastor or whatever, um, like there was something there that caused that stirred this emotion when he would stand in front of people. And, and, and now I look at that, like, what a, what a crazy journey that we're on where I've, we've talked about this a lot in my story. I've always felt that I had a call to quote unquote ministry, but I never felt called to the pulpit. Yeah. And so for years I felt like was was running from it. And now the freedom is that. I, I just have the understanding that where your feet are planted, that's where ministry happens. Us doing this is is our quote unquote ministry. And now I would actually even replace the word ministry with, dude, I'm just I'm after the purpose on my life. Yeah, I'm going to fulfill purpose. Do you how, how I often think about this because people tell me. So I I only think about it when they're telling me, but if our dads are in heaven and looking down on us. <clears throat> oh man, Jeremy. I think they're proud. Yeah, I do too. And we're the first ones to tell anybody we have no, we don't know what we're doing. <clears throat> I think that's what excites them though. But, <laughs> you know, I would, as listening to you, Doc, I, when, when I, I would say this to anyone that has different emotions thinking about their dad. One is when I'm doing like what we're doing with Wild Courage or 
I'm going to a branding or I got this cool horse now. And I, I think of that part of my dad and that he instilled in me and I just feel joy and I feel happy and I feel great about what my dad gave me and the parts where I look at the things that I don't necessarily like about myself that maybe are attributes of my dad that I didn't like about him. I look at those as invitation. Yeah. Invitation to do something about it. Um, and I don't feel shame in those areas and I don't feel bitterness towards him. So I'm just throwing that out there that maybe if you feel those two different emotions about who you are Mm -hmm. and where it ties into your dad is maybe break those up into those two categories. That's really good. One of these makes me feel proud that I'm my, my dad's son and the things he instilled in me and some of the things that I don't care for about myself that definitely I recognize that I also got from my dad. I look at those as invitations to do something about it and replace anger, bitterness, shame with, with, okay, let's do something about it. I'm going to change my behaviors or my thinking or, I'm going to figure out how to not do that anymore yeah. or show up that way for my kids. Cause so much of what we've learned is a uh, subconscious and parenting. Right. So I find myself saying things to my kids that my dad said to me that I definitely don't want that to be the narrative. Yeah. So again, instead of being pissed at my dad or bummed out as how I'm fathering, just look at it as invitation. Yeah. And when you can do that, it actually becomes a gift. Yeah. And even if you your dad was horrible and and cuz we know lots of guys Hunter, that, that that they do not have and nor do they have a desire to get to the point where they have that their dad gets held in a different light. It's okay. And 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 I'm not saying that what he's given you is an is an actual gift. I'm saying the gift is yours. Yeah. To get to the point where you can you can let whatever memories you have and thoughts and and and, and emotions and, and it can all lead to rage and anger, or you can get to a place of getting to of, of like a letting go of okay I we can't change any of that all I can do is start this process now, and you are, I, I either see the good parts of you and that that's a gift that I can apply to my life, or I see the worst parts of you. And I do not want to become that. Yep. And that's also a gift. Yep. That's good. Cause I think, I think that's kind of to land this plane is where in your life do you feel like your dad is affecting you good or the other way and how to do something about it? Right. Because it affects us whether he was absent. I look at, you know, what amazes me is the guys we run with that did not have good dads at at all. Yeah. And the fathers and the men that they've become, it blows my mind. Yeah. Because we had we had stability in our dads in so many different ways that these men, and I just want to give a shout out to those dads, that you had a dad that sucked and wasn't around or were raised by a single mom or had a birthday only dad, and you know what yeah. I'm talking about. Yep. And and you are gone the other way to your point. And you're taking that and you're breaking that model to your own children. You guys are the heroes. Yeah. You guys that didn't have this modeled to you well. And I don't put myself in that category because my dad 
was really amazing. Yeah. He got a bunch of stuff wrong, but he got way, 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 way more right. Yeah. But to you guys, we tip our hats. Absolutely. You guys are the heroes. And I don't want to name them because if some of their dads <laughs> might listen to this, but you know who you are. Yeah. Well done. That's really good, well Jeremy. Done. That's really, really good. And there, there is, I think that's one of the values of of the fires and the retreats and whatnot is when you can get around guys that, that, that you can learn from that if you did not have a good dad, get around somebody that's doing it well Yep, and start garnering from, let them father you in, in a Model way that for you. absolutely, man, yeah, it's we, never too late. Nope. It's not too late to be a good dad. We love, the fires and the the older guys, the sages that yeah. are are even going and cleaning up their messes with their adult grown children, yep. and and the healing that can be done. It's not too late. And for for anybody that's listening that lost their dad, we feel you. Yeah, and it's not too late to get healing as we've learned how to do since our dads have passed. Um, in closing, Doc, what's one thing? that you would want to tell your dad. That's so funny, Jerry, because I was just thinking the same thing. And I actually had a picture of both of them sitting at ends of the table here. And uh, I would, I would tell my dad, uh, thank you. For showing up. Uh, Thank you for doing the best that you could. Uh, I would tell him thank you for giving me a place in your heart. Uh, and thank for thanks for uh, depositing in me to the things that you did. And I would tell him this. <laughs> We're making a difference. <clears throat> yeah. How I, about you? I would I would do the same. Just you finished well, Dad. Mm. Your inheritance to me nobody can take away. It's not land, it's not cattle, it's not any assets, his inheritance is this. And for his grandchildren and my sister's kids, my dad left a big impact on the world and it started with me. And I just miss him and I'm grateful like you. I'm just real grateful for him and him modeling how to chase down his dreams. And in hindsight, I get to show my kids how to chase down their dreams and I get to invite them in the process and they get to grow up in the same house and not experience divorce. And I'm grateful for that. And I, yeah, I just miss him. Yeah. And getting to see the little cow herd that started when he was alive with two leppy bottle calves that turned into 23 head, I think now. I know that that would excite him. So anyway, thanks, bro, for yeah. being vulnerable and being real. And again, you guys, thanks for going on that 
emotional journey with us. And again, to all you badass dads out there, happy Father's Day. I'll put this out on Sunday, but um, keep going. Yeah, happy Father's Day. Love you guys. Adios.